No, okay. I, I don't know what you told them before. Uh, not much. <laughs> okay. So, um, we had a technical difficulty, and um, so this is the other things that we still think about Star Wars. Yeah. If you read the episode description from our last episode, you'll see that I made a whoopsie doodle. I believe that was my term for it. Yeah. I think that's a technical. That is a technical term of art. There was a whoopsie doodle uh, where we got a great first hour and then the second hour just disappeared. It's sad for you guys because it was a good other hour. It was. So I feel I want to be transparent about this because I think a lot of what we're about to say is going to be like, did I say something like this before? Mm-hmm. And I, you should just strap in for that. I'm not going to try to like pretend that that's not how I'm thinking of all my thoughts. If it seems like it's out of left field, it's because that's something that I said before that I just remembered that I said. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we'll talk about completely different stuff. Maybe it'll be terrible. Uh, historically, people don't come back for our part twos. Is that true? I think historically is putting it strongly. There's only been one part two. So maybe people just don't care about the housewife. I think people didn't care about part two of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And that's okay. Yeah, we'll see if they care about part two of Star Wars. Well, I'll tell you where we left off. Okay, great. And then we can go from there. So where we left off was I was in the midst of talking about how when I was watching these movies back, which for me has to be like at least time number 20, probably more. Sure. I realized that a lot of the things that we think of as quintessential star wars things that make star wars star wars really started in the second one not the first one sure you know things like the death star the empire the rebellion all those like big thirty thousand sort of stuff yeah that's from establishing yeah that's obviously from the original but most force powers are not established in the first one there are a couple but lightsaber choreo to the extent that there is any lightsaber choreo there is none in the first one basically yeah and then in the second one is when they really start to think about like oh how is the lightsaber not just a samurai sword right because the lightsaber choreo in the first movie is very clearly based on japanese fencing to the point where they are shuffling as they pass each other which is a very like kendo move (laughs) yeah yeah and it's like you're in a spaceship you don't need you can yeah you can go wherever you want exactly you can do whatever (laughs) else I think the general vibe of the series really clicks into place in the second one, in The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I think I definitely enjoyed the second two more than the first one, I think. You said something to me right as we were starting the first one, which I want to highlight because we didn't bring it up before, (laughs) which is like 10 minutes into the first one. And you did mention that you were on a lot of migraine jokes. Yes, I was. You looked at me and you were like, the script for this is bananas. And I was (laughs) like... Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of information at once. And you were like, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. This feels like we're halfway through movie number two and we are in the first scene of movie number one. Yeah, I really thought because I like sort of like a lot of the scenes in the first one I had like a memory of experiencing before, but I would never have been able to tell you that they were the beginning Mm -hmm. of the movie, let alone the trilogy. I also think that the additions to the movies are the most evident in the first one. And all of the additions from the late 90s and and oddies just serve to stretch it out. They don't really serve any story. Yeah. With the exception of, notably, they redid the emperor's half of one of the scenes in empire strikes back which i think was a huge bummer and i was talking to you about it off mic because one of the things i like about return of the jedi 
is that you don't know what the emperor looks like until Return of yeah, the Jedi. Yeah, you don't know how fucking gross he is. Yeah, like you kind of, in the original version, you kind of see him, but it's like a fuzzy video. You can't really make out what's happening. So when you see him step off the transport ship in Return of the Jedi, it's a fun reveal. Yeah. I will say it is a little bit underwhelming that the emperor of the entire galaxy is just dressed in a black robe, but say lovey. I don't know. I think it's okay because like a lot of people are dressed in really complicated stuff. It's it's kind of an like aesthetic tone. Mm-hmm. So one of my sort of overall notes, <laughs> mm-hmm. I would say, is that the force is like so fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Like what is it? What are the boundaries of what it can do? Who knows about it? What is it simply a superpower or like combat tool or is it also like it seems like it's more than that. It seems like it's a little bit of sort of like a way of, like a yogic way of life. Yeah. Like a, a control of, of breath, a mindfulness mm-hmm. exercise. But like, is it a religion? Like my way into this this time in this conversation is that that emperor has like kind of like a, an inquisition almost like like this empire has religious motives. Yeah. Maybe just he just looks like that. Well, yeah. They don't really suggest that hardcore, but they don't really suggest because the force is also the bad, the bad force. There's also the dark side is still yes. the force. Yes. So like, I like, is that part of the, and it's like, that's not part of what the movies are even asking. Like just all of that is like, shh, shh, just don't worry about it. Yeah. And I mean, those are, it's not like, oh, this is stuff you have to puzzle out that we're not going to like be heavy on the exposition. It's just like, we don't, we don't know. It doesn't just. Just enjoy it. It's definitely something that is explored in the prequels and the sequels is the answers to all of those questions. Sure, which I think is smart to delve into. And I think you're right to pick up on the Inquisition vibes because literally the Emperor's guards are dressed head to toe in red. Right. Like Spanish Inquisition people. And the Emperor is, the reason he's dressed so simply is because he is in part designed after what uh caesar augustus used to wear he used to dress like a high priest okay sure yeah and so he sort of has yeah this, it's like, very religious... like the church and state are one yes and i mean technically if you want to get into it like yeah that is kind of what it is because in addition to being the emperor of the galaxy he is also the most powerful force user in the galaxy and one of the two Sith lords active in the galaxy. So yes, he is technically the head of a religious order and the emperor of the galaxy. Okay, but that is not, this again is stuff that is not actually in... The original trilogy. Yeah, like that stuff that has been developed outside. They do say in the original trilogy that the Jedi are a religion. Okay. But they also say in the first movie that Darth Vader is the last of the Jedi... But then in the next two movies, I think they make a distinction between the Jedi being like a way, you know, a way of being. And then whatever Darth Vader is doing is something different. Yeah. Well, and it's like, is it, it seems like it's genetic. Force powers are not generally speaking genetic. Although, well. Well, then that's a pretty wild coincidence. It's a little bit like, we keep talking about Harry Potter, it's a little bit like wizard rules in Harry Potter where no, like but at least one of your is... parents being a wizard makes it very likely that you will be, but there's no like hard and fast math about sure, it. Sure, yeah, okay. 
Yeah. But also this I remember the the squares. Yeah. And draw. the sequels really talk about like what it means to be a Skywalker and what it means to have Skywalker blood and okay. like every Skywalker from Anakin on down is just an insanely powerful force user. Okay, so but it is genetic. It, it, technically so yes because of where force powers come from they come from metachlorians which is so stupid but yes okay but like so that i don't know that's just another thing to me that is like that's not all if you just take these three movies that we watched that is not all hanging together for me right now having this judeo-christian like it's a blessing that we say to each other and it's a thing that we just like know and believe in that's in the air that we draw like strength from because because we believe in it mm-hmm. and there's like a good and a bad side like it's very concerned with what is good and what is evil mm-hmm. that all feels so religious to me like that feels so christian to me yeah well i mean there's i think there's a point Someone says, may the force be with us, and everyone responds, may the force be with us, which feels very like, peace be with you and also with you. It's yes. like a very Catholic thing. Yes. So yeah, I, I do understand what you're saying. And it's interesting that after the original trilogy, the number of times where you hear a non-force user say, may the force be with you, it just drops to almost zero. Yeah, I'm just saying I don't think that they... like thought of it i just don't i that that part of it is not super well thought out to me in the original trilogy and like it doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. for what these movies are but it would have been more interesting to me i think some of those questions would have been more interesting to me than some of the questions we did explore Mm -hmm. for me as a viewer but i think that is also like you had asked me if I favored any of the movies the most, and I feel like I kind of like the middle one. It's hard for me to say because the second two feel sort of all of a more the same as each other. Yeah. But it's just kind of a fun place to live. The middle one is is like we're supposed to have more questions and answers. Like it's okay to be like, what is this for? Shit? Like we're just like we're still finding out stuff about yeah. it, and and that is a fun place to be in with the like magical element of your world that you built. Mm -hmm. And then by the third one, it's like, I sort of wanted to have arrived at more like hard limits. (laughs) Sure. I found myself frustrated with a lot of the denouement or sort of Luke's storyline in the third one, because I felt like it was so focused on like, will you choose the path of good or evil? Like, on, on the one side, it's purity, and on the other side is friendship, but also friendship is purity. Mm-hmm. Like, also, friendship is, like, what is good in the world, but also, like, if you choose them right now, you're choosing... You know what I mean? Like, it just, yeah. like... Like, I just didn't understand why he didn't just cut the guy's head off. I mean, I did understand. Like, I did understand. Right. But I it just felt contrived to me. Mm-hmm. That he's like, oh, no, I know you won't hurt me because that would be, like, stooping because that would be, like, using the dark side. And that's and it's like, why? Like, using the dark side, just, like, killing any unarmed person, even if they're an evil emperor? Right. <laughs> like, there's no there's no room for uh, situations. <laughs> right, right, yeah. In this credo. And also the, the sprinkling in of, like, how much your friends mean or don't mean to you just felt really, like manipulative and sort of like spurious Mm. i think that part of the ploy 
in the throne room at the end of the third movie is it's not about I'm going to use my lightsaber to kill the evil emperor and that's bad because I think that that is good but striking out in anger to kill someone apparently defenseless is bad yes yeah yeah, of course come to realize he is not defenseless Right. And it's like, and it's like, it's like, yes, use your anger. That will make you one of like, I just don't, I just don't think that's right. I just don't think that, that good people aren't angry and that bad people are, are Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, that's just not a corollary to me. But it's again, it's like, this is why they're such good movies for kids because it's like, I feel like they deal in these big fat dramatical terms Mm -hmm. that, feel very like adults it, it's it, it doesn't feel like if you're watching them as as a child you don't feel condescended to it's not like yes. watered down where it's like there are no real stakes or like this is going to be too scary for you mm-hmm. but also it's not that really that deep. you don't have to think that hard you shouldn't yeah. think that hard yeah <laughs> <laughs> to keep up with it you know what i mean like just listen to them just like let them say it's like you know when you go to <laughs> when you're young and you go <laughs> such a specific experience you know when you're young and you go to a lot of Shakespeare plays (laughs) no (laughs) well I do and it's like you don't always know what's going on but sometimes they say these like really like 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 feisty meaningful things that come Mm -hmm. from their bellies (laughs) and you're like "Mm, something's happening here but it, it, it has that, like, it has that, like, like Greek tragedy history play vibes, mm-hmm. but without just, you don't have to examine it that much. And I think that's, like, a good experience Yeah, for kids. I would much rather my kids be consuming that kind of thing, and then later we talk about, like, what is anger, what is good and evil, mm-hmm. than, like, just endless stuff that is for kids that's purposefully dodging stuff because it would be inappropriate for children yeah and i feel like now there is content in the star wars universe now that is starting to grapple with like is the jedi credo somehow misguided because that's like something that they don't really grapple with in the original trilogy because it's just jedi good yes at the time dark jedi bad right but the jedi code is a Jedi shall not know fear, nor anger, nor hatred, nor love. Mm. The idea is like any sort of strong emotional attachment is a distraction. Right, right. right. Yeah, which I guess sort of does tie into like, are you worried about your little friends? Like, no, bro, you can't. Yeah, that's okay. All right. I mean, that's interesting to me. Like, I, I, I would be interested to see how some of the other films like deal with those issues because that does sound more up my alley. The, the unfortunate thing is that in the prequels, they try to do that, but they're way too on the nose. I don't remember anything about the prequels except for them sucking so hard. That's fine. That's all you I was, I saw about. one and three and not, I skipped two. Yeah. Which I hear is the worst, worst one. But one and three were pretty bad. Yeah. Two, <laughs> so that is. Two is a real. Saying something. You do get to watch Yoda fight with a lightsaber. That is pretty dope. But that's, that's cool. Yeah. He I also don't... absorbs force lightning, which is also dope. But. Yeah, like if you know what it means, I don't know. You, sh- I feel like you should be able to. I think they should just make the first ones again. I mean, I kind of agree. I think in a in a post all the Halloween timelines rule, like I just feel like there's been enough like mm-hmm. Star Wars media out there and enough consensus that those were a, kind of a oopsie. Mm-hmm. Especially now, having just watched the three that we did watch, 
like they are crying for early chapters. Like I, I guess this whole time I've been kind of thinking that of that as like a silly gimmick that mm-hmm. George Lucas did to like make people want Tim to make more movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, those movies want the good ones we watched want there to be something that happened before. Clearly they talked mm-hmm. about so many things that happened before. Yes. Um, so I just don't see any reason why we can't try it again and do it better. Yeah. Well, you know, there has been, interestingly, they have been doing a lot of the like new Star Wars media as of the last, I would say, five-ish years, maybe more at this point, probably more like seven years. I feel like been... it's been steadily escalating, to be honest, since they started doing the the third Yes. The new, new chapters. Then they were like, we're going to do these side projects. And then now there's a TV show. There's a lot of TV shows. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now there's like a prestige TV show. But I know that there has been like other, Mm -hmm. like cartoons even, I think, So one of of those cartoons is basically the story between episodes two and three is Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Episode two, you see the very beginning of the Clone Wars, and episode three, you see the end of the Clone Wars three years later. Okay. But you don't really see what happens in between. Yeah, who knows? And so we've got seven seasons of television about what happens in between. It's funny that you say it's a a good gimmick, because it did, I think if he hadn't have done that, it probably wouldn't have inspired all of the extended universe work that happened between- Right, it makes it, I mean- Three and- 2013 i think i said this in the before before times like it make it's inherently interesting to a young child <laughs> mm-hmm. that they're out of order do you know what i yeah. mean like it's it is like a i don't know like i don't know if he did it to be crafty i i sort of suspect not i think he just did it to be because that's how he saw it mm-hmm. he hasn't shown me that his like taste level mm-hmm. or understanding of like what it is that is good and interesting about what he did Mm -hmm. is really there. (laughs) I think that that is true. And I think that that has been borne out by his subsequent projects and his attempts to reboot both Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Sure. If we're being completely honest, I think that the smartest thing he did when doing Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi was hire Lawrence Kasdan to co-write the screenplays. Okay. Who co-wrote those and he did not co-write the prequels i believe but he did come on to do force awakens so yeah so did george lucas write a new hope by himself yes okay so that's why it's so bonkers yes and that's (laughs) why the other ones are more grounded he did the story it was all story by george lucas but then the screenplay for the second one is lee brackett and lawrence kasdan has there been any like nerdy exploration or speculation about whether george lucas has adhd <laughs> because i'm I just feel like, sure there is i just feel like it's it it feels like the product of a disorganized mind to me because it's like there are a lot of good ideas but it like i'm saying it doesn't seem like he knows which ones are the good ones he doesn't mm-hmm. know which ones are actually like what people are coming and staying for I think the I think that's part of it, but I also and think like it's, well, he does seem to kind of have a sense of story, like the pacing in A New Hope, and the set, like the fact that it's just you're just like always in the middle of something. Like he doesn't have like a good bedside manner, mm-hmm. <laughs> like bringing you along for stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that 
George Lucas functions best when he has constraints. I think that's sure not a lot of people do. Yes, Peter Jackson has the same had the same problem with the Hobbit movies. I love constraints as a writer. I find it very inspiring. Yeah, exactly. They inspire you to creative solutions. Mm -hmm. The biggest problem with the prequel trilogy, or one of the biggest problems with the prequel trilogy, is that no one was around to tell George Lucas no. Sure, but. Even after the success of the original Star Wars, he still was very constrained as to budget, as to time, as to story, and he needed to be pleasing his actors. And there are really interesting stories from the first one. Mark Hamill is the one that I think of most of them having just these bananas lines of dialogue (laughs) that did not make it into the final cut. Like, as bananas as the dialogue in the first one is. It is, though. There were worse lines that didn't make it in mark hamill tells a story about like this one particular line that he just every time he said it he would after they called cut just look at george and be like no one talks like this you can't use this you cannot make me use this it's just wild to me that like some people are are really out here with great movie ideas just like and no idea what people say <laughs> yes the line i'm thinking of and i'm trying to remember it uh i'm probably slightly paraphrasing you nerds out there but right after that's no moon it's a space station when they see the death star for the first time okay, yeah han is supposed to say well then i'm pulling over at the nearest asteroid and i'm dropping you guys off like basically like nope fuck <laughs> yeah, that absolutely not and which i kind of like honestly for his character oh no it's a very funny line from han but then Luke is supposed to say something to the effect of, you can't do that. Han fear is their greatest defense. Plus that station is clearly built only to withstand a large scale frontal assault. <laughs> and Mark was like, you can't, you can't okay, make me do listen, this. Listen, I want to be real about this though. <laughs> that might, that might help that I, I kind of, I see the merits of that line because to me, to a modern audience now, looking at it now, when they're like, well, thank God there's like this weakness that like one crafty pilot, like all it's going to mm-hmm. take is one crafty pilot being too good at piloting. Like, where will we ever find one of those? Like, it's so fucking convenient. And it just feels like watching it now, like, I guess you could get away with that shit in the 70s. But watching it now, it's like, oh, great. But I feel like if <laughs> if any like schmuck of a pod racers first instinct looking at it is like oh yeah i can get into that thing <laughs> like yeah it's scary but i <laughs> it's clearly not ready for me mm-hmm. yeah. i don't know I'm, i i, I kind of get it mm-hmm. i mean that line is ridiculous it's an insane but like line. but i i kind of get what like where it where it came from like i think it there's there's something helpful about it if it could have been reworked maybe yeah something that i wanted to mention is something that is in the second movie that's not in the first movie that I didn't clock until this time around, the Imperial March is yes. only in the, it starts off in the second movie. Then they use it again uh, forever and ever and always. But that's the first time you ever hear it. I was very struck by that because I think it is, I mean, well, it is one of the three iconic themes from Star Wars and you don't even yeah. have it in the first one. Right, which is like, that is two more iconic themes than anything else has mm-hmm. like the best you can hope for with a movie even a franchise is if that's something that you want <laughs> right is like memorable music the best you can really hope for is one, one thing that people leave the theater humming and like wanting to go noodle out on their keyboards at home and figure out what it's doing yeah and star wars has three 
Yes. That's crazy. I think he probably just wrote it for the second one. I don't think he was like sitting on it. No, I don't think so. But it is like John Williams, like, goddamn, like you wrote (laughs) like the best thing Mm -hmm. that's ever been written. And then they've called you up a couple years later and they were like, can you do another one? And he was like, yes. And it's even better. Yeah. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think his music in Empire is chef's kiss. It's great. And also, I just love that he has this very, like, John Williams has this very, like, old school epic movie. Heavy handed is kind of the wrong word for it, but not really, where he, like, everyone has their own theme. No, and he but will, I like, know what you mean. It's like, it's not classical music, it's movie music. Yes. And he embraces that. He's not Philip Glass. No. Like, he's not, like, trying to also do his, like, experiment on the human ear at the same time. No. He's like, what if John Philip Sousa made movie yes. music? <laughs> he's such a champ. He really is. I and love John Williams. He never misses. He Please never don't misses. Don't anyone ever tell me that he's, like, some kind of creep. Composers are not really like on the radar right now. Like mm-hmm. I, but I, I don't want, I don't want to know about it. I like, I just, I think he's such a star. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a cultural institution in and of himself. Yeah, every single theme that he's ever done has been excellent. Like he yeah, has. I'm sure there are some stinkers out there. I'm sure there are movies we don't remember that he is on. Maybe, but E.T. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park, dude. Harry yes. Potter. Yeah. Home Alone. Yes, I always loved. Yes, Home Alone is, is that. That's that's always my secret. John Williams. People don't believe me, mm-hmm. but John Williams wrote the music for Home Alone, and it is iconic. Yeah, Schindler's and List. Moving. All those other ones like are good, and it's like like good for John Williams that they all came out of him. But I would say, as far as like what can actually compete with Star Wars for like bestest, mm-hmm. I'm I submit Jurassic Park. Yeah. I see no reason to look farther than Jurassic Park is the perfect movie theme. <laughs> sure. I don't know. Do you know who does the music for Game of Thrones? Yes. His name is Raman Jawadi. Okay. Because that is one thing. I don't know that but that is not a familiar name to me, but that is one thing that that show did really well. That fooled everyone. That's part of how they fooled yes. us for so long. because yes. the music was so good. And one thing that I think it did really well was sneak in little motifs from the theme but like so judiciously like it all sounded like of a it always sounded like game of thrones when it was on yes but it was like very careful about when it was going to use melody from the titles and then those moments were like so thrilling that was like it's like such a fun signal to use to be like something big's happening right now yeah and i think john williams does the same thing in the original star wars trilogy like the, the third famous song other than the star wars march and the imperial march is binary sunset yeah which is where luke is staring at the sons of tatooine and it's like a wistful but also sweeping version of the star wars like intro theme that we heard 20 minutes before and it just does such a good job of communicating how he feels and like the like lostness that he is feeling but also like hopefulness Yeah. yeah yeah i think i i i personally enjoy both that tune and the imperial march more than the famous famous star wars and i I think that's why i think that's why i'm so obsessed with jurassic park because it is both the best and my favorite Mm -hmm. where in star wars i feel like torn allegiance from like well this is clearly the answer and yet it's not my answer you know what i mean sure and that's another thing that i'm like give your kids the good stuff (laughs) yeah kids should get to listen to good beautiful sweeping movie music Mm mm-hmm 
Oh, I know something we did not talk about in the last hour, but okay. I feel like we ca- can. Okay. Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford. <laughs> oh, yes. And okay, so we... Fucking juicy that is. <laughs> yeah, so we were watching this. This is a Carrie Fisher household. Yes, this is a Carrie Fisher household. We were watching the first one, and as we were sitting down to watch it, you were like, it does so much for me personally <laughs> to know that Carrie Fisher fucked Harrison Ford and sat on it for like 35 years. Yes. And then like a year before she died was just like, yeah, we By smashed. the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the, um, the TikTok you sent me of her like giving him an award, an award or something and being like, he always gets nervous when I start to talk about him. And I was like, oh my God, she's literally been like toying with him yes. for like decades. Yes. Like, I don't know how you could possibly look at that situation and not assume that they fucked. Yeah. But you, it's one thing to assume it. And then another, it's just so thrilling when celebrities are like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not doing any more guarding. Of, mm-hmm. of the greatest luxury is your secrets. No, no more. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just going to tell you. Yeah. It's a, a, a really warm parasocial feeling. Yes. And I think after we watched the trilogy, what you said was it does so much for these movies <laughs> that they fucked and that no one knew about yes, it. Yes, yes. She was doing the Lord's work. Yeah, because they have such undeniable chemistry Uh. but they are clearly so pissed with each other in the second one and it like watching those first scenes on hoth where they're just like arguing with each other and there's so much tension and i'm like am i just reading the sexual tension into this it's like no 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 they had already fucked and then split up and now they were back and they were doing it again like Like, but like hate fucking yeah and it's just like (laughs) i love it i love it I love it, and I feel like it's okay to love it because it seems like Carrie Fisher loved it her whole life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like none of like because she has given us access to some of the ways, some things about her progress through being a famous person that were not ideal. Yes, <laughs> like it would be easy to then hear this and be like, oh, like there's an age gap. Like it's quite an age gap. It'd be it'd be easy to to look at that and be like. It's one more cog in the machine that was her destruction. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like, and, like, but like to hear her tell it, if I'm understanding you correctly, she's like, of all the bad shit that's happened to me, that wasn't one that, of those. No, that, that was that, fine. I had so much fun yeah. with that. When we were first talking about this, I was like, do you think that her sitting on this for 35 years means it was really bad? And you were like, no. <laughs> I think her sitting Opposite. on it for that long means it was incredible. Yes. <laughs> that is what I think. And especially, I haven't seen any supplementary materials that have argued against that to me. Like, I think she seems very pleased with herself. Yeah. I mean, I have not read The Princess Diarist. I would be interested in reading that because it is all about making the original Star Wars trilogy and also how she smashed with Harrison Ford. Yeah. And yes, I will acknowledge that there is a 14-year age gap there. He was 33 and she was 19 when they started banging. Longtime listeners may remember that we dragged John Mayer absolutely through the dirt in yeah. our ta- both Taylor Swift episodes yes. about dating her when he was 30 and she was 19. And I don't know, like maybe all of Carrie Fisher's bravado around the whole thing is just a, a, a cover for her pain. But I like situations 
are different. We love to talk about how like 18 is not this magical number where like all of a sudden now you're an adult and you have great judgment. But like there's a kind of a line around there for a reason because it's like it's only gross if it's gross. You know what I mean? It's only gross if you're gross about it. I think something that you said that really captured it is that even though the age gap is present, the power dynamic is actually was actually flipped yes, from that- what you would normally think because Carrie Fisher was a Hollywood, now we'd call her a Nepo baby, but like yes. her parents were both famous. Very well connected. That does help me a lot with it, that she was the one who was, who was like, who got this because she was connected. And she, he was the one being plucked from obscurity. Yes, exactly. Like she knows all the guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's got the Rolodex and he's just... Some asshole. He was the carpenter. He was the <laughs> set carpenter who was doing readings for people who are auditioning for Princess Leia. He was reading as Han Solo, and he did better than anyone who auditioned for Han Solo. Yeah. And that includes Burt Reynolds. <laughs> ah, I'm not sure it was Burt Reynolds. I, it could have been okay. Anyway, in conclusion, that kind of age gap is usually almost always yucky, but every once in a while, it's not. And just because you're young doesn't mean you can't seize the day. Just make sure that it's your day, you know? Yes. And then if you weren't, and you realize that you that, that you weren't later, then that's okay. That's a common confusion that happens. But I don't know. I guess this is the romantic in me. Sometimes I'm like, you know... Just tr- just go for it. What did you say to me a little while ago? People and you were like, like, sometimes people really want to smooch. And if they do, society should just let them. If they them both do. do. If, every, if they, like, some, like, I just feel like it's like a really, like, rare, special, beautiful, ephemeral thing when two people both really want to smooch the other one of those two people. I think it's like a really like cool, like electric thing that happens. Like it's pretty common for one person to want to smooch someone else. And it's even pretty common for the other person to like kind of want to smooch them too. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I just, it's the Monica Lewinsky thing. Like when both people really, really want it, it's like, that's a big thing to me. I think you have to get out of the way of that sometimes. I think it's like one of the, like, not to be like woo woo about it, but I feel like it's like one of the like humanist experiences it's like one of the things that we're here to do it's like mm-hmm. really want to smooch each other yeah and you should ride that wave yeah i agree star wars star wars yes <laughs> yes else but it, it does it does really add something i think to the series as a whole to like have that narrative now in the yeah, background yeah it's like it's like listening to fleetwood mac yeah a little bit <laughs> it's like i know what you guys were all fucking doing mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I hear it. Yeah. <laughs> when you know the the juice behind the juice. Yeah. That's like fun. For it everyone. is fun. Yeah. Something I didn't ask you the first time is who is your favorite character in the series? Okay. So I did remember, I know I said in the before times that I did, that I was going in without a favorite, that it was going to mm-hmm. have to be Leia because she's the only woman. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of is. Yeah. TBH. But I did remember as soon as the movie started that my favorite as a child was R2-D2. I like forgot that about is a very the respectable robot choice. options. Yeah, that is a very respectable choice. <laughs> because, okay, and I feel like I see exactly why. Because it's like, okay, you're like a little gender nonconforming girl child. And it's like, here's something that boys like to gatekeep. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, won't be gatekept from me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm all over this. And then it's like, well, who's your favorite going to be? Are you going to pick the girl? Like, obviously not. Like, pick me stuff. Like, no, I'm not going to pick the girl. But also, on principle, I'm not going to pick any of these boys. (laughs) Right, right. So that leaves me... Some droids. I feel like C-3PO... Well, first of all, C-3PO sucks. (laughs) I hate (laughs) C-3PO. 
What it a is douchebag. One of the sickest burns that my friends ever laid on me in college was me and my girlfriend at the time were arguing about who we would be in the Star Wars universe. And we were going back and forth about Han and Leia. And then our friends were like, Anthony, you guys are the droids. <laughs> so shut the fuck up. Yeah. And I was like, wait, which one of us is R2D2? And they're like, not you. <laughs> Which makes me C-3PO, which yeah. is a huge bummer. I, it's like, I get it. And he does have moments where he's like kind of charming, but I just feel like he spends a lot of time being like a nervous narc. And that's just a yes. shitty combination. Like, don't be both. I don't know. It's like, he is like, he is like the opposite qualities of like a Han Solo or like the things mm-hmm. that I want where it's like a little bit sloppy, but like hard in the right place. Yeah. C-3PO is always, he's always flexing that he knows a gajillion languages. And then anytime it's time to translate, he's fucking useless. Like, why do you say that? It's yeah. obviously not true. You don't know any of these languages. Stop telling people that. I, I think it is a funny runner that he's like, I'm fluent in over 6 million forms of communication. And they're like, great, cool. What's that guy saying? And he's always like, hmm. The impossibility of the phrase R2 Daytoa has stuck with me since I watched them as a child. Like, as soon as he said that, I was like, I remember being mad about that as like a fucking 10 year old because it would be Bartoa Daytoa. <laughs> Say three. It would be right. It would be right. Toa Daytoa. <laughs> it does. Jabu Jabu R2 Daytoa. Yeah. Why is one two a two and the other two is a Toa? Like fuck you Star Wars. You didn't think it through. But also I feel like there's a whole plot point where see, let's just dunk on this guy a little more. I feel sure. like <laughs> is there a whole sequence where he's like the Ewoks are going to cook them. Yes. But then they really like C-3PO. Yes. And they keep being like, hey, C-3PO, can you just like tell them not to cook us? And he's like, nope. Like, what? You've broken so many laws for these people. And now all of a sudden you have some kind of like directive in your code. Like, I just feel like he is, he, I, he just sucks. He's a, he's a, he's a robot when it's convenient. And then like, he's a hall monitor. He's a hall monitor. Yes, he is. Well, he's literally called a protocol droid. Yeah, okay. Yes. So, Which is, that's a terrible, I hate that. Yeah. I would know that I hated that just on paper. Yeah. That guy sucks. I'm sorry that happened to you. No, um, it's okay. It was, it was a funny because joke. I do think that you are very Cogsworth. <laughs> oh, yes. I have is, big Cogsworth energy. There is, some, there is something kind of parallel about them, but Cogsworth is not a dick. Well, I think also the difference, if we're going to do this, let's do it. The difference between Cogsworth and C-3PO is that when the chips are down, yeah. Cogsworth yes. is nervous, but he will throw down. Yes, but he's there. for his, yeah. He's on his team. He's freaked. When they invade the palace at the end, he is freaked the fuck out. Yeah. But he is also going to slide down the banister yes. with uh, some knives and yes. just like jump at people. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. He when will light people's pants down. on fire. Yes. He will get it done. Yes. Yes, I, and it's fine to be. Ner- I don't judge a character for being nervous. Sometimes that's very endearing. Yeah, and but you can't be nervous and like uh, know it all. Like too good for shit. Yeah, there are times when C three PO is like, I will actively leave you to your fate. Yeah, because it would be improper for me to do otherwise. Yeah, and then and then I'll act like I am above all this in some way. Yeah, you just you can't have both. You can't have both. So fuck that guy. Still, I'm still all about R2-D2. I think, I think R2-D2 is great. Yeah. <laughs> I did not remember that the first movie is like a lot about, like R2-D2 is the most charming character and also the MacGuffin. <laughs> yes, he is. And that's kind of a fun duality. Mm-hmm. At another time in my life, I was a Tonks girl to just keep on with the Harry Potter stuff. Sure. And I think it's kind of a queer thing. Yeah. 
to be like she I'm literally gonna... shapeshifts and changes. Sure, yes, the shapeshifting, yeah. But also like just the picking a side character that we don't know a lot about, maybe that wears a mask or shapeshifts or so, like shit like that. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm kind of over that. I kind of like want I want more data. Like I'll pick a secondary character, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of over picking like fully like sidebar characters. Yeah, just as like a novelty. Sure. Just to be cute. Yeah. The character that I feel the most warm fuzzies when he shows up on screen is Wedge Antilles. Okay, yeah, which, tell me again who that is, because I really don't fucking know. Okay, so in all of the space battles and even the fight on Hoth, there is always Luke and Han, and then there is a bunch of other dudes, most of whom get shot down. But there's one guy who's in all of those, and it's Wedge. Okay, great. When I was watching Rise of Skywalker, which... I said in the first hour, I don't like, I don't think it's good. There is a moment where they are showing like the last desperate fight of the resistance and they just show Wedge Antilles for like a second. And it is the same actor, just 30 years older. And I was literally sitting there just like arms crossed, pissed. I was pissed. And then as soon as Wedge showed up, tears like it was a real emotional speedball and then i went back to being pissed that's nice when that happens but the reason that i'm so into wedge antilles is because there was a time it's a pretty great name it is a great name but there was a time dear listeners where there were only three star wars movies we didn't have what we have now right and so everything was being built out to fill in all the gaps And so much of that building out has to do with Rogue Squadron, which is something that is mentioned in passing as a call sign in Empire Strikes Back. And that spawned a movie, 10 books, and at least two, maybe three video games. Okay, yeah. All about Rogue Squadron. Yeah. Okay, but it's this. And Wedge is the leader of Rogue Squadron. And I support all that for the nerds, but this is like, like that's the kind of answer that I'm trying to tell you that I am unprepared to. Like, I know, I feel like every, most people's answer about Star Wars is like someone like that. That's like, well, if you watch them 20 times and like dig into the lore and you're super bored of like all the main stories. And so you're Mm -hmm. like making a bunch of shit up. You're maladaptive daydreaming during Star Wars. Sure. (laughs) Then these people become your favorite characters. You know what I mean? I'm not keeping track of that. Like there were a bunch of, puppet beasts that i thought were pretty cool but like i don't know which one i don't know like who they all are or yeah. any of that one thing that i will say that i would encourage everyone who has seen star wars before to try to do as a thought exercise is try to go into these movies and rewatch them and try to go into them without all of the extra lore all of the maladaptive daydreaming about the star wars universe all of the extra information that you've been given since because it is a really different experience talking to you about Star Wars and like my mind automatically shifting to like, oh, well, like in these other movies or in these books or in these TV shows, they address this specific question in these ways. And it's really interesting to go back and just sort of like rewind your brain a little bit and just be like, no, 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 no. Until that scene in the Wampa Cave in Empire Strikes Back, it was not known that you could move objects with the Force. Sure, yeah. You know, like, until we see the Emperor do it, no one had heard of Force Lightning. All of these different things that we know about the lore of Star Wars come later. 
And yeah, like, well, and, and like, you forget you... how much comes later once you've been like immersed in it for so right, long. Yeah. And you, you really can like, there is a lot of enjoyment to be had in just like listening to what they tell you. Yeah. And I think that if I do say so, I feel that's sort of one of my strengths as a consumer of media is that, I mean, this is something that like, I literally don't know all the other stuff, but I feel like I can't even stuff that I know a lot about. I can still not know it. Yeah. (laughs) Like I can still watch it. Like I'm just watching it. Yeah. And I think that is a gift that a lot of nerds don't give themselves enough. Yeah. I do think though that the flip side of it is if you are someone who has been steeped in the lore for a long time of any fandom, really, it doesn't have to be Star Wars, but I think Star Wars is one of those ones because it's just like a side comment becomes a book series. Right. I feel like it has made me really good at watching TV adaptations of sci-fi and fantasy because I feel like there have been, and this is going to sound like a brag, but this is just something I want to get a sense of from you. There have been so many times when like the three of us are watching something in the house and you and Ari will be like, wait, what the fuck is happening in this show? And I'll pause it and be like, okay, so they said this side comment two scenes ago and then this thing happened and this thing happened. So what they're trying to communicate is that like these three things are connected in some way and you guys are like, okay, like (laughs) I see it now that you say that. And that's just because I have been steeped in the lore of this universe where it's like someone saying something is going to come up 30 minutes later in a very important way. Yeah. And so you just got to listen for like exclamation points around sentences. Yeah. Well, and we are in kind of a time right now of sort of like comic book and video game storytelling style entering Mm -hmm. TV a lot. And that is not, you're correct. That is not my yeah (laughs) like uh, because i feel like there are sometimes things like the things that i'll catch there's just another flavor of little things that i feel like super attuned to like little sort of like storytelling like screenwriting like seed planting things they all feel like something was like telegraphed to be like the the linchpin thing of the episode yeah i'll be like obviously (laughs) yeah that like just isn't necessarily obvious to all people or like I can be astute about that but yeah when when people are like this the systems and the galaxies and the like whatever oh wait I know one more thing that I want <laughs> that was it lost is how I was high and I was like are Darth Vader and Leia related <laughs> the question that that became was how much of that relationship did they have from the jump Yes. You, like, but it was just a funny experience to have. Okay, so I, because we watched the first one, I was on a, a lot of migraine drugs. It was just a funny experience to like sort of claw out of that fog and be like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put together this. And as we've talked about, the screenplay for the first one is kind of bonkers. Yeah. Like it's both slow and a lot. Mm-hmm. And so it's like giving me a lot of info, but also staying in individual scenes for too long. And I'm like, try- I'm like, okay, so I know there's an empire and I know there's a resistance. And that wasn't part of what I was interested in as a small child at all. I only cared about like the exact faces I was seeing on the screen. I mm-hmm. was not worried about like, who's the empire, who's the rebellion. But now I am like, now I'm a history plays girl. Right. So I, I felt so smart that like little high me deduced like the first time they're on screen together, which is like five minutes into the movie. Yeah. It shows them together. And I was like, oh, I bet they're related in some way. <laughs> like I felt so smart that I was like, I've cracked this. Like, I bet this is some kind of like, uh, she's a secret Baratheon. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's going to come up. And then it's like, no, literally it is like the most famous thing about these movies. That <laughs> 
that they are related. Yeah, it is. Like, as I was saying it out loud, I was like, wait, I do know the answer to this. And it's like pretty famous and not what I'm trying to go for at all right now. I felt like such a sleuth. And it does kind of feel in the first one like maybe they didn't know that. Yeah, and I can't remember, honestly, from what I know about his process and like how much he had planned beforehand. Because there were like, so many different drafts of the script before what we got on screen sure. like yes of characters changed so much names changed a lot one of the first characters he ever created for star wars is actually mace windu who is samuel L. jackson's character for the prequels okay that was someone who he like plucked out of his like old drafts of the original movie okay yeah i, I don't like remember when he came up with it but put that guy in charge of naming stuff He's got that down. Mm, Let him do the names. We talked about this in the Lost Hour. I'll bring it up again. Okay. He really lost it at a certain point because there was so long where before Lucasfilm was bought, everything that came out of George Lucas's mouth was canon, essentially, was the way it was treated. Very like Dumbledore is gay, whatever. And one of the lingering questions after the original trilogy and even after the prequels was what is the name of Obi-Wan Kenobi's home planet? And there was a prevailing theory that maybe it was Corellian because it seems like a lot of humans come from Corellia, though it's not really clear. And Jon Stewart was interviewing George Lucas at a fan convention in around 2005. And he asked him the question, what is Obi-Wan Kenobi's home planet? And George Lucas looked at him and just went, I don't know. It's called Stu John. And that is the name of his planet to this day. Okay, so maybe like give him time to think about it before (laughs) you just give him naming rights to everything. But I just feel like all the like random side character names that you've told me have been like really choice. Mm -hmm. Big Darklighter is a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's like, because that is like one of the secret arts of like sci-fi fantasy storytelling is like rearranging sounds. Mm-hmm. into like new sets of sounds that feel cohesive to another universe that is not this universe but also sort of evocative in the universe in which it's being consumed yeah everything i've ever heard from star wars is like yes that sounds like a star wars name yes that looks like star wars design like there's a lot of cohesion yeah and i think that's good for them yeah and like luke skywalker's original last name was star killer Skywalker oh, is no, so such much better. a better last name than no, Starkiller. No, that, that shit's like badass. Like it's, it feels a little juvenile to me. Is there kids movies? But it's like that, it's good that it appeals to children. Like it's just, such a, it's a cool word. Yeah. Luke Skywalker, Leia Organa, Han Solo. Yeah. Good, Ugh. good names. Yeah. Doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. So who is Star Wars for? <laughs> children. Sure. Yes, this is something that I did want to highlight. Not only is it for kids, but I think that if you are interested in making your children lifelong fans of this, hook them young. Yes, yes. Because anyone who comes to this series as an adult is like neutral to negative on it because... I think a lot of it doesn't hold up to, let's say, adult levels of scrutiny. Right. Well, I guess that's what I'm saying about, like, the good and the evil and the... Like, it's like you want, like, let your kids deal in those those things and and feel like they're reaching for something bigger and deeper. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah, when you come to it as an adult, you're like, what are you saying? You're using kid words. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, good and bad. Yeah. A lot of adults, even if we maybe don't think they do, have a little bit more thirst for nuance. Mm -hmm. or just for something to be a little more complex or surprising in some way Mm -hmm. 
And so, like, yeah, get the kids young while they're still going to be, like, mad impressed by whatever Star Wars is doing. Yeah, and it's also just, like, one of those cultural touchstones that is pretty hard to ignore and kind of hard to deny. Yeah. Like, it is so good at what it sets out to do. And I think that's why the original trilogy is just, like, so much more well-regarded and has more staying power than the prequels because, like, the prequels tried to do something and mostly didn't succeed. The original trilogy set out to do a very specific task and absolutely knocked it out of the park. Yes. yes. There are a lot of things that it is not necessarily that good at. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Uh, because for what it is, and it's fun that it, like, still looks good. It looks amazing. Yeah. For like, something I'm that is 45 so, years old. like, embarrassed by computers. Don't do computers, kids. Spend your entire life making teeny tiny tiny little models of spaceships and then learning how to like shine desk lamps on them in an appealing way yeah that's the that's where the money is one of the best decisions that they made in the sequel trilogy was to try to use practical effects as much as possible yes at some point it's it's gonna like meet back up but like when we introduced those com- that computer shit, we thought we were so cool. We thought we were real slick, and it we're not. It looks ugly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's not like fun in the way that, like, even when you kind of catch the old ones looking kind of old and janky, it's still like fun. Yeah, and charming. And like outdated computer effects are just like outdated. Like it's not charming. Yeah, maybe like, someday it will be, but I feel it's like just that very day would come by valley. now. Yeah, yeah. So I agree. Star Wars is for kids. If you're yeah, if you're an adult, I feel like you already know whether it's for you or not. Although I I will say as someone who had and watched it in a long time, like it's fun. Like don't if your spouse really wants to watch them, <laughs> go ahead and do it. Yeah, you're not going to regret it. You might be sleepy depending on who you are. Yeah. Um, but you won't be like harmed. I, I will venture to say that you won't be bored. If you are awake, you won't be like offended or, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, it's, they're, 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 they're just fun old movies. It's like, think about it. It's like watching like Finding Nemo or something. Yeah. No, they, they are very fun. If someone came up to you at a party and was like, my <laughs> favorite movie is Star Wars. Yeah. What would you do? Or yeah, my favorite movies guess, are the original. Well, trilogy. okay. So yes. Okay. So first of all, that's a wild thing to say. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to need like. I'm just going to need some more information on that because it's like, like, I just don't believe that an adult person exists who loves Star Wars, whose favorite thing isn't actually something else. Because if you come to love Star Wars at an early, at at the appropriate age to love Star Wars, you're going to have found something weirder and more specific and less, like more culty and less well worn. Mm -hmm. Right? I just don't believe that there's a person that found Star Wars and just like stuck with it and has never seen anything. There's just for too long. There wasn't enough else. Like you can't just watch it again. Like that means that either of you've just been watching Star Wars again and again, mm-hmm. or you ju- you're a curmudgeon and you refuse to like other, like, so I just, I, I, I just have follow up, but like, why, like, are you just saying that because it's the, it's a thing that you like that you think I'll know? Mm-hmm. because then that's fine like then that's like an entree into then we can sort of test our like nerd stuff boundaries together yeah. which is often how i use it sure yeah and how i have used it in the past it's the opposite of the john wick thing where if you 
went up to someone at a party and they were like, my favorite thing is something sophisticated. And then later they're like, actually, it's, it's actually John, John Wick. Wick. <laughs> this would be like, oh, what are you super into? Like, oh, I'm really into Star Wars. It's like my favorite thing. And then later on, if you feel like you can vibe with this person, you're like, actually, it's Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Yeah, but it's like, actually no one cares about thing. that. Yes, it's like such a safe nerdy thing. Like it is nerdy, but you're allowed to say it. Like no one's going to be like, I can't imagine. It's not a defensible position. I guess it's possible, but it's not a defensible position in this these modern times. For someone to say Star Wars and for the world to be like, well, you're such a nerd. I'm not, I'm going to like completely write that off. Yeah. But there is other nerdy stuff that you can do that in mixed company. Like that you can, as a recent Evanescence fan. Yes. (laughs) I can tell you there is plenty of stuff that is still publicly ridiculable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I don't think Star Wars is it. And so if that, if you're using it as like a test, like a canary. Yeah. Then I, I, I totally get that. If it's genuinely, genuinely your favorite thing, that is a little bit of a red flag to me because it, it's not because it's not good, but because it, it there's something like, I'm going to feel like you're arrested somehow. I'm going to feel mm-hmm. like you're stuck in your traumatic past. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I'm going to feel like something stopped you from going farther. Yeah. Star like Wars. Star Wars and also what? Yeah. I think to your point of like, it is not really a ridiculable fandom anymore. I think that that is true. And it is interesting to me that like, I think Star Trek, which has been around longer. Right. Yeah. And is more nuanced and like more philosophical and heady is catching up. But is not at the same level of cultural cachet. Yeah, I like, do think... You can still be like, oh, 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 oh boys, you're a real dork, aren't you? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, you definitely can. And I think I'm glad this is coming back from the Lost Hour because I think when when we were kids, when when it was when the question was first posed to me, like Star Wars or Star Trek, like what, who's bigger nerds? The answer clearly to me was Star Trek. Like Star Wars was a much more respectable nerdy fascination. Mm-hmm than star trek star trek was like oof you cannot sit with us yeah like star wars was like oh that's cute for you and star trek was like do not involve me please yes (laughs) now i'm like how did we get that way especially when we were actually truly children and there were only three star wars movies it's like it was not a labor intensive or like intellectually rigorous pursuit to master all of the material yeah, unless you Whereas were the Star kind of Trek person. kind of always has been. That's true. Yeah, there's always been more Star Trek content than Star Wars yes, content there's always in been number more of Star hours. Trek, and it's always been much more about like like that might be not true anymore, just because right, of yes, the number. Maybe of shows. just barely now. Yeah, but like they keep doing Star Treks. There still yep. is. There's still there's, there are multiple Star Treks right now. Yeah, <laughs> and and also I feel like they're kind of converging in the style of nerdiness that they are, but like historically. Star Wars is like a political question. Mm-hmm. And Star Trek was all they're scientists, yeah. They're they're explorers. They're explorers, yeah. They're they're going around, they're questioning things. They're they're poking stuff and seeing what it does, as mm-hmm. opposed to this like this like big epic battle of good and evil of like top dog and underdog. Yes. And that to me now is like the the Trekkie questions are the more like you could spend a lifetime ruminating (laughs) over the questions Mm -hmm. posed by Star Trek. Like I actually do think that it's a little bit more of a like scholarly. It is pursuit mm-hmm. than star star wars is kind of the like the the jocks of the nerds yeah i think that that is a good analogy especially because there is such like you were saying the last time that like you actually 
conceive of from your exposure like you conceive of the star wars fandom as being like a pretty good fandom to be in and i submit to you that the star wars fandom is a terrible fandom to be in full of toxic bullshit which is why i have been pulling away from star wars for a while and not as willing to engage with a lot of the new content that's coming out because it is impossible to talk about online right it is fucking impossible i made a tiktok last week talking about how the Lord of the Rings for sci-fi is probably Star Wars if you're talking about a trilogy of movies that was genre-defining and changed how lay people relate to the genre. And do you know how many fucking toxic nerds (laughs) came out of their little fucking hidey holes to be like, um, actually, Star Wars is not sci-fi. It's definitely fantasy or space fantasy. it's just... Well, okay, yeah, that's... uh, and it's just it the star wars fandom is just that all the time with everything sure it's like here's a good example in the sequel trilogy the second movie is very controversial the last jedi a lot of people myself included love it think it's one of the best star wars movies ever made other people hate it think it's a total tonal departure for the series does every character dirty both groups hate rise of skywalker because the people who love The Last Jedi are like, you can't just do a take backsies on everything that you set up in the second movie, which is what Rise of Skywalker tries I to see, do. I see, I see. And the people who hate Last Jedi are like, you made your fucking woke bed, now you lie in it. Right, yeah. You can't just try to undo it. Yeah, like, so both of us have the same like, criticism. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but for completely sense. different reasons. They're like, this is yeah. trash, but not in the way that I wanted it to be. Yeah. And I'm like, you ruined a good thing that you had. Let me ask you this. Are there a lot of women in the Star Wars fandom? We talked about this in the first hour where there are more women in the Star Wars fandom than you would think. Because there are lots of women in the Star Trek fandom. Yes. I, I would venture to say that it's that it's probably approaching gender parity. I don't know. I, I would think it is closer to gender parity than the Star Wars I don't Wars know anything fandom. about it, but it, I, I, I feel like I've met just as many girl Trekkies as boy Trekkies just in my personal life. And I feel like Star Wars girls play it a little closer to the vest, probably because of what you're talking about. It's not that there aren't girls who love Star Wars, but first of all, we we have been given a lot less to relate to over the years. Mm -hmm. It's only been in the last couple of years that there's been more than one woman to even fucking look at. And like, I am all about Leia, but like she does. Sometimes she has a weird accent. Sometimes she doesn't like there, there are bones to pick with her in the original series. I guess I just feel like at some point when you're in a, when you're in a male dominated fandom, you have to decide whether to like, I mean, this was kind of my whole like childhood decision of like becoming a musical theater nerd is it's like, do you uh, stand and fight expectations or do you just go find something else where people aren't yelling at you all the time? Yeah. And I just feel like that's like, I think there are girls who like Star Wars a lot who don't feel welcome in the conversation, who just don't feel or not even welcome, but just don't. It's like the conversation's not for them. Yeah. And the like. The, the part of fandom that is like sort of generative mm-hmm. is like not worth trying to access. So it's just like, well, I'll just enjoy it from over here. And it's kind of like, you know, it reinforces itself because then they have to play to their audience and whatever. And yes. And that is definitely a thing. And there is, I think, a large swath of the Star Wars fandom that is like that, I would say, by design. 
Yeah. Like in the original movies, yes, women are dramatically underrepresented, but it's not. That's why I was so surprised and delighted by how fair it was to Leia, I feel like. Like, I just assumed that that George Lucas was the problem. And Mm. maybe he is kind of. Yeah. But like, if you just watched those original, if you do strip away all this shit and you just watch those original movies, like, I would not think that those were made by... Uh, an overwhelmingly misogynist organization of people. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I feel like there is room, like in there, there should be room, but mm-hmm. things get taken over. And it's like, again, like some of the like themes and imagery are very macho. Yes. Also, it's that it's so easy to twist. The story of right, Star Wars is right. so easy to twist to suit your own ends because everyone is going to see themselves as the underdog. No one wants to see themselves as the Empire, except for the people who do. And you guys, you are deeply sus What's to me. What's going on there? Yeah, what yeah. the fuck? That's... Hey, hey, I'm talking to you, people with Imperial tattoos. What <laughs> the fuck are you doing? No, yeah. seriously, what the fuck are you doing? If I meet you in real life, you have about 10 seconds to prove to me that you are not a terrible trash person. Yeah. All right? I don't care if it's because you like organizational systems. I don't no. care if it's because you don't think like that, that monarchy is good. These are real things that people who like no, the Empire have told like me. No, don't like that. Don't like organizational systems. That's not a thing to like. Yeah. That's not something people like. I agree. Go to the container store. <laughs> yes. Yes. If like, the thing you love is organization, go buy some hangers. <laughs> go buy some drawers. Like, get some like, buckets. I don't know what that means. I don't know yeah. what that means as it regard as it pertains to humans it only means eugenics like there's no way there's no way this conversation doesn't end in so but the flip side is that everyone can read themselves onto the rebellion right because everyone wants to identify with like the heroic underdog right well and that's kind of part of my gripe with luke and why he's like not even in the running to, to be my favorite character it's not just because i hate all main characters on principle it's like, it feels like he is what he needs to be when the movie needs him to be it. Especially in the first movie, I was like, they pull it back a little bit. He's like pretty annoying in the first movie. Yes. <laughs> the things that he says, it's, it's easy to map other stuff onto it. And mm-hmm. it's easy to, because he's like, he spends a lot of time responding and he spends a lot of time being an earnest scene partner, like, like straight mm-hmm guy yeah you know yoda the uh, obi-wan whoever is who's the like cool character Mm -hmm. is just like bouncing stuff off of him and it's 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 easy there there's just not a lot to exclude people which is what you're saying that it's like it's really easy to put yourself into those hero shoes but then it's also like there's not a lot to tell you that your version of being a hero is not is not right (laughs) precisely it's not what it is (laughs) yeah i think that there are other fandoms that aren't as prone to that yes yes totally whether it's a less macho theme or a like stronger point of view or even just like a like more specific story that you can't really yeah yeah any of those things yes i think more specificity is a great way to not do fascism accidentally yes 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 (laughs) again i really don't know anything about star trek but since it's what we're talking about like if you make it sort of one of the tent poles of your thing that, that we're investigating and we're listening to each other, you know what I mean? Like if you make a nerdy thing that mm-hmm. is about like gathering and exchanging information, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a little harder than something that's just a nerd thing about celebrating how we're good guys. Yes. I mean, everyone on January 6th thought they were in the rebellion. You totally, yes. And they, uh, and they were. 
No, because they were taking their orders from the emperor. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. yeah they were right. the empire. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> they were trying to order 66 the Senate. Uh, yeah, no, 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 you're right. But it's like, I think it's also as much as it's important to be like, especially like the way American politics is set up right now, like you guys are not, the, you guys are the empire. Like yeah. the empire does not know that for some mm. reason right now. And that's frustrating. But it's also like the rebels are not always right, you guys. The rebels are not always right. Yeah. The empire is almost always wrong. Yes, that that is a key distinction. Yes, the empire is almost always wrong, but that doesn't mean that every group of rebels is correct. Is right. Yes. Okay. So I feel like I know the answer. I'm just going to ask you because you know the answer for me. Is this in your curriculum? Yes. It would be absurd for anyone to devise a curriculum of culture that doesn't include this. Mm -hmm. I don't really know where it fits into mine because it's so not my area. Like, it's just hard for me to envision. But then I realized, as we were puzzling through it in the last hour, I realized that so far I've been picturing all of this as like some sort of like high school or community college class that I'm in charge of for some reason. Where, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to like kind of activate young minds mm -hmm. <laughs> in new and exciting ways. And that sort of requires me to have like a strong position on all the things that I would teach in some sort of like binding concept between them. And that's why we have all these like wacky names for stuff. Yeah, I could probably fit Star Wars into there somewhere, but I feel like what is special about Star Wars in my curriculum mm -hmm. <laughs> is that it's like, it's, it's definitely like a high priority for the children. Like it's not just that it's good for kids. Like I would, if I ever made kids, I would really, it would be important to me that they consumed this young. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that we got to this and we covered it. Early. Yes, early at the at the appropriate age. And that's not like like Slater Kinney is so much more in my curriculum than Star Wars, but I'm I'm not gonna like make my kids listen to Slater Kinney in the car, you know what I mean? Like right. they'll find it or they won't. Yeah. But like Star Wars, I, I'm for sure gonna be like so I don't know if it's in my community college curriculum, like for me, just because I feel like maybe someone else will cover it or like you know, but for the kids, I think I think it's pretty important. It's just like, it's your only chance. Like you were saying, it's your only chance to not know all the stuff. Yeah. Like imagine watching, like I'm, I'm pretty sure, I wish I had a clearer memory of it, but I'm pretty sure that when I watched it, I definitely didn't know his hand got cut off. I remember being like really upset by that. Mm -hmm. I, ge I just genuinely didn't know whether they were going to like get out of all of the scrapes that they were in. I didn't know if they were going to blow up the Death Star because I didn't have the adult vocabulary yeah. to be like, this is a movie where the good guys win, obviously. Like, it's yeah. probably definitely going to work out. And that, I just feel like you got to slide it in under that because it is the perfect setup for all of the rest of the movies that they'll ever watch in their lives. Yeah, and I, on the flip side, I honestly, I'm trying really hard to remember, like, when did I learn those facts? I, for as long as I have memories, I have known what happens in Star Wars. And I think that is because I watched it so young. And so by the time I was forming memories, it probably wasn't even my first watch. Right. I'm trying to remember specifically if I knew that Darth Vader is Luke's father. And I, I kind of think that I didn't. I really think my parents caught it right on the sweet spot where I was old enough to realize that that, to like follow the movie enough to mm -hmm. realize that that was a big deal, to remember that they had mentioned his father several times and that I had made some other suppositions about him. Mm -hmm. And then to be like startled by that. And, and and also no one at school had like told me. Right. This cool twist in this movie that they saw. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, if you can, if you can catch that moment in your child's life, like that, that's the greatest gift that you'll ever give them showing them star wars at the right age yeah so in that sense yes it's very much in my curriculum of being of yeah of life of being a child yeah 
I agree. I mean, we're talking about a core text for me and revisiting this was super fun. I would recommend to anyone out there, even if you've seen it a bunch of times, just go watch them again and try to watch them with fresh eyes if you can. I find it challenging to watch them with someone who hasn't before. Maybe that's just because I've been burned so many times. <laughs> sure. But it, it is a really good time, and I highly recommend that's, going back I did it. okay. Was I okay? Oh, yeah, you were watching fine. Watching Companion? <laughs> yeah, no, you were, you were good. You were good. Because, well, one, the... I definitely had some crazy questions, like, are Darth Vader and Leia related? <laughs> I mean, I think because of the way we've structured this podcast, like, your practice when we're watching something is to try not to give too much away about how you're feeling. Sure, yeah. And also, I think the way you and I watch film, and I think a little bit the way Ari watches movies, she just doesn't watch as many movies, but whenever we sit down to watch a movie for the pod, we're usually riffing on the movie a little bit. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I've seen the movie so many times. That, I see, like, you're saying when people have like any less than positive feelings about it, that's like hard for you not to take personally. If they've never seen it before and I'm sitting with them showing it to them, yes. Do you feel like it's like it's uh, incumbent on you to like, this is my film with Louis' problem. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like hard when something means a lot to you. And yeah. then you're like, here, you guys look at this. And everybody's like, meh. Yeah. It's tough. Like, I'm committed to this story now. Again, yeah. like, I I stripped, I purposefully disarmored. I, like, stripped away my my knowledge of how I already feel about this so that I could experience it with you. Yeah. And now you've hung me out to dry to just, like, go through this realization again that it is impossible for women to win anything mm-hmm. <laughs> alone. Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever. It's, you know, you live and you learn. Well, you weren't alone because I was there and I was paying yeah, attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, I, it, what, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. If, I, if that's all, if I got one convert, that's, that's plenty for that day. Yeah. I think that you should, because we had watched two episodes of Andor, which I am not really enjoying, even though everyone says it's amazing. But just from that, I could tell how much like visual vocabulary has been built up in this world mm-hmm. of and world of worlds. And I think I imagine it would be a pretty fun pursuit for someone who has consumed a lot more Star Wars material than me to go back to the originals and see like the beginnings of a lot of it, like where a lot of that comes from, like yeah. all the dumb just like shapes. There's just like shapes. <laughs> There's always like shapes in the floor and the walls. Mm-hmm and of stuff that are like star wars shapes like you could like i feel like you could tell me is it like just show me a still of an interior and be like is this a star wars or another space franchise and i would know mm-hmm. and that's a cool thing in and of itself but it's like it all starts with the first ones whether like how conscious that was i don't know yeah no i, I think that that is absolutely true and i think it was a very conscious decision because the sequels draw much more visually from the original trilogy than from the prequels so uh, all of that being said where <laughs> yeah. can they find you on tiktok we lost an hour and so we've given you two. what i imagine is two new hours yes i am at trash analysis on tiktok you can find me on tiktok at anxious archfey you can also find me on twitter at anxious archfey lol and you can find the show on Twitter, lol, at SophisticatePod. Please continue to rate and review and subscribe and tell your friends and share these episodes with anyone who you think would enjoy them. The more reviews we get, the sooner we will watch and read Twilight. But I think that until then, that about does it for us here at I'm a Sophisticate and so can you. Until next time, good night and good luck.